everybody. It's time to roll for intent with the Creator's Corner. We have myself and Trevor here today. How are you doing today, Trevor? I am doing pretty great. I'm just back from a conference. Got to unwind a bit and come back to an absolute madhouse. Not my house, just my work. That's what happens when you leave for a week. It's... Oh my gosh. (laughs) Piles up and nobody wants to put out the fire. It's crazy. Yeah, you open your email and there's like 140 of them and you're like, oh God. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I noticed there's a a, a vaguely humanoid shape in the corner kind of struggling to get free. Who, Who do we have with us this week? Yeah, I um, actually brought this one back on an international flight. Uh, I think he liked the cargo hold, but I'm not sure. Uh, oh, it gets cold in there. It does. It gets cold, it gets hot, it gets loud, but I, I, he's a trooper. Today with us, we got Luigi Lisa. He's co-owner of Eldritch Osiris Games. He's a freelance writer for Legendary Games and for Sinclair Library. And one day he hopes to slot himself between the pages of some official Paizo content down the road. How you doing today, Luigi? I was fine until I got captured. Please, I will write for free. Please let me go. You're free to go after this. I got a, I got a ticket for you and, you know. So I just have to answer a, a, a few questions, right? Just a few questions. You'll get your Applebee's gift card and you can go. Okay, okay. You should have at least put him on the hook for 2,000 words or something. <laughs> He'll get it out while he speaks today. <laughs> okay, it sounds like a plan. We're taking a look, I think, this is the first time that we've done a full class on the show. Is that right, Christian? It is. And I will tell our listeners, making a class is no easy feat, as it were. There is so much. And previous editions, previous games, making a class wasn't even really that complicated. In Pathfinder 2E, there is so much that goes into it, as I'm sure Luigi can tell us. (laughs) Oh my god, yes. Uh, I am the writer of the legendary mesmerist and the legendary medium. The medium is the one that we're going to talk about now. And it took me around nine months to develop this class because I am not an official ISO worker with access to playtest resources. So yes, it's a lot of hard work, but it pays off in the end. Tell us about the inspiration for this class, the medium. You know, it channels spirits and your character is very versatile based on the spirit you're channeling. So kind of give the listeners a a quick rundown of, you know, the the overall concept and what led to it and such. Oh, well, that's a quick rundown. I have so much to speak about this class. Uh, Well, my inspirations have two main sources. The first one is art and entertainment. For the medium, I studied a lot of Valerian's lore, and then I tried to connect that with things that I already liked. I remember watching the entirety of Penny Dreadful, The Haunting of Hill House, Avatar The Last Airbender for like a million times, uh, <laughs> and also listening to music like Slow Disco by St. Vincent, Placebo, Sigur Ross. And then my mind usually takes those visuals, sounds, and character arts, and then imagines of kinds of narratives tied to the art of spiritualism. And then I try to convert them into different situations that the class allows. And the second source of inspiration would be, it's much deeper. Uh, during the first months of development, I was kind of struggling with my emotional health. So I decided to distract myself from that by doing something that I would love, which is writing. Eventually, I came to realize that ghost stories were a perfect opportunity to channel certain emotions and explore in a safe space the topics of grief, mourning, purpose in life, life and death, 
getting help and helping others and other very grand and philosophical matters. Uh, so I use my own reflections on those topics and put them into the game, which was a very therapeutic experience. But of course, you will not see any of that in the final product. The idea is not to impose a specific narrative onto the game, but I wanted the class to allow the players to explore those topics with a game mechanic. So those are my, my two sources of inspiration. Definitely sounds like you poured a lot of yourself into this one. Uh, you were telling me earlier that today marks one year from the time that you started collecting notes on this one. Yes. Well, the note collecting started a little earlier, but uh, it was one year ago today that I sat down on my laptop and started working this more seriously. So it's the one year anniversary of this project, basically. Did it take you about as long to do your mesmerist concept? No, the mesmerist was much faster, but because I playtested this class a lot, the class is much more complicated design-wise. So I wanted to make sure that everything was right. And also I studied much more and I felt like I grew more as a designer with this, with this class. So I decided to take my time with it. Yeah, this one is definitely not uh, for the faint of heart. I would not grab somebody the beginner box and say, hey, roll up a medium. There's a <laughs> lot going on here. Um, you are kind of jack of all trades, master of none with the spirit channeling mechanism by which you can essentially switch your kid out every day with a seance. You can be a, a straight martial class. You can be one of the half martial classes. Um, you could be a caster. There's a lot of interesting ways you can go based on the challenge that your party may be going up against or just your play style. I know a lot of people will do four or five, six sessions of playing a champion and say, I I'm sick of this, but I don't want to kill my character. Maybe I want to play with him again. Well, this is something you don't necessarily have to because not only are you able to swap out these spirits day by day, but the mechanic by which you are having a seance and bringing a spirit into you, you can use that for really fun roleplay opportunities that can alter the way that you portray your character as well. That is correct. I wanted the class to be faithful to the original medium from first edition, which was a class that could choose a different spirit each day to channel into themselves. And those spirits were based on the mythic paths which were basically the equivalent of a fighter, a paladin, a wizard, a cleric, a sort of bard and a rogue. But there are no mythic paths in this edition, at least not yet. So I decided to take a new route and made three different guest spirits. The first guest spirit is the warrior, which is basically a martial class that lets you be a defender, a marshal, a melee marshal, or a ranged marshal. Then we have the, the, the adept, which is the equivalent of a skill monkey. It gives you new skills for that day and also new skill fits. And also we have the magician, which lets you choose from one of the four magical traditions and you can get new spells for that day from that tradition. I wanted to stay faithful to the concept of changing your role each day and also uh, drawing from the power and the history and also the personality of the specific spirit that you are channeling that day. If you want to avenge your dead father and use his specific sword with a specific um, fighting style, you should be able to do that. 
And if you then say the next day you want to avenge your dead mother, who was a very famous druid with a lot of primal spells, you should be able to do that too. Man, tough place to grow up in. <laughs> <laughs> well, most adventurers have very tragic backstories. So I guess I'm, I'm just a marketer at heart. I'm just responding to what the players want. <laughs> Uh, the vast majority of adventurers do have, you know, <laughs> very tragic backstories. You don't really hit the, uh, yeah, so, you know, the family business was doing great. My brother had it taken care of. So I think, you know, I'm going to go adventure. <laughs> See, that's the way that I build my characters, though, for the most part. It's just completely mundane. Like, ah, seems like a thing to do. See, I, I think I'll do it. You can also do that. Also, uh, during the six months of playtest, I played a medium. Uh, in a campaign that had like four different stories before, and it had all this multiverse thing going on. And before this character, I played other two that were now dead. So I used this opportunity to channel my previous characters and work on their unfinished businesses. And I had the chance to roleplay them uh, depending on what we were going to do that day. And I also get that kind of testimony from other people that play, or at least to, that read the class, that they get the opportunity to flex their role-playing skills by having a different personality every day or different interest. And that's something that I wanted to explore too. Yeah, I can see uh, causing a lot of problems for the DM. You know, you capture someone and they don't want to talk. You're like, you know, we could just kill them. I'll channel him tomorrow and see what he knows. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that happen. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. <laughs> you just channel channel one of the BBEG's lieutenants and then pump him for information while he's in your head. I did that once. Oh, neat. That sounds fun. I channeled um, a magician that was betrayed by the evil bad guy and the big boss. And I took revenge from them. And it was so good. And everybody was so happy with it. So let us know a little bit about the, uh, you know, bringing this. So you have this class, you've finally got it down, you've written it, you've play tested it, but now you want to release this to the world. And you did this through, I believe, Legendary Games, was it not? Yes, it was with Legendary Games. So you tell the listeners a little bit about that process. Like, you know, okay, so you, you have this class, but, you know, for a lot of people, no one has any idea how, where you even go. How do you even start doing that? And it, it's very frightening to kind of think about, I want to do this, but then you get to the point where you're ready and you're like, I have no idea where to go from here. Okay, so I think that in order to answer that, I have to give some context of where I come from as a writer. Uh, it all started in first edition, where I, when I joined my real-life table and played my first Pathfinder character, her build was all over the place. She was an Angel King Asimar fighter with a third-party archetype, variant multi-class oracle of battle, a customized weapon, and a very low constitution score. And that was my first character. Oh, so boy. There was, yes, yes, there was a lot of bookkeeping. Uh, very cool in concept. Died a lot. We had to resurrect her a lot of times. <laughs> Died a lot. <laughs> yes. I had a lot of plot armor because I was the new one in the game. I didn't know how things worked. And then eventually, the GM offered new homebrew powers to each of us. And when he told us, the first thing he said was, 
wait, you created a new power. You can do that. So that took me writing my first homebrew class, which was called the Perfumer, I, which was a hybrid class, the son of the mesmerist and the alchemist. And it was terrible. It was really bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the balance was a mess, but I like the concept and maybe someday I will release something like that. Uh, and that got me into writing. Then we moved to second edition and I continued writing, but everything was completely homebrew. But my taste in characters was different from the one of my group. So I usually end up interacting with my own ideas and playing my own things and nobody else. So it was a very lonely hobby. However, that changed when Vanessa Hoskins, in tandem with Legendary Games, published the Legendary Kineticist. And that was a time when I was homebrewing my Mesmerist class in, for, in second edition. I heard in an interview all her insights and her process, and that gave me a lot of courage to try something different, which was making my work actually public, not just for my friends who didn't care much about what I was writing, but for other people. I didn't really care about the money at the time. I just wanted to share these things with somebody. So I wrote a very, very formal letter to Jason Nelson from Legendary Games. And I had zero faith in succeeding. But to my surprise, he responded very quickly, saying that he was actually interested in publishing my work. And I was speechless. It took me a while to process that. Uh, but at that moment, I knew that I was about to become a published author. And that alone led me to where I am right now. So I am very grateful to him for that. So yes, that's how I started publishing. And for the legendary medium, I already had some confidence with Jason. So I told him, hey, can I publish this with you? And she said, of course, yes. So I just sent the manuscript in and he took care of the rest. But it was a relationship that was already established from a previous work that we had. It's kind of funny. This is not the first piece of content that we've reviewed that you did work on because we did all that glitters that actually released today or not that releases this week as of recording. It'll release in a couple of days. And you were a contributor on that one as well through uh, Eldritch Osiris. Um, oh, but yes. this story is exactly the type of story that we want to showcase on this show because we're trying to do exactly what happened with you when you heard about uh, Vanessa's legendary kineticist, right? You see something, wait, that's something you can do? I want to do that. And then just do it. And that's the primary reason, on top of promoting creators, that we want to have this show, is to show people that you don't have to have all the answers to start. You just have to have a desire to do it. And then go that direction. And anything that we can do to encourage people or to uh, demystify the process is wonderful. And, and that's, that's why we love having people on like you who went through that, that journey. Oh, thank you very much. A huge chunk of success is being in the right place at the right time. And I, I've known many people of many different, you know, tax brackets and so many of them that, I mean, they will tell you that it, it is a huge part luck. But when they say that and being in the right place at the right time, what a lot of people don't seem to realize is you've got to put yourself out there and you have to continuously do it because the more places you are at, the more people you talk to, the more customers and fans that you're able to generate, all of that increases your odds of being in the right place at the right time and getting noticed by the right people. So, you know, it's, 
anytime anyone undertakes these labors of love and you, you know, clearly you're very passionate about this. Trevor and I talked at length about, uh, you know, the balance of the class with Luigi uh, before this interview and that, because we always like to know the nuts and bolts. And he was even telling us, like, you guys are sure asking a lot of questions. We're like, oh, no, we do this with everyone. We we just love to get into the nitty gritty. So. Oh, yes. For the record, I had to post a lot of graphs with statistics of how the damage output would look from level level 1 to level 20. So, yes. To that end, I think that that sort of stuff is awesome to add with, uh, and it's not something that anybody's doing as far as I know, but that would be awesome to add as like additional content, maybe not part of the PDF, but like eventually on Infinite, I would love to start seeing content creators release things about their process and about their playtesting and their design methodology. Because, you know, I, I'm a real big, big fan of bi-directional mentorship. I love teaching people new things and I love learning things from other people. And established experts in any field can still learn things from other people. And anything that you can do to share that sort of data, I think is great. And when you were able to just rattle off, you know, power curves at various levels and damage outputs based on the spirit and stuff, that was great. I mean, it shows that you put thought into it and that you had a concrete methodology for doing it. And even if I don't always uh, agree with like the direction something goes, I can see that there's a purpose and not just like, oh, I thought it was neat, which is what we hear a ton. Right. We hear this is this was a cool thing or I liked this or I wanted to do this. Not like, well, I wanted to do this, but I also wanted it to be mechanically balanced. I think we are on the same page with that. Uh, normally, I'm a very top down designer. So this is a process that I, I follow. The first thing was choosing what I was to write about. Uh, I always loved the occult classes from first edition, which is why I wrote The Mesmerist. But after that, the psychic and the occultist were already in the works, now in the form of psychic and thaumaturge. The spiritualist got absorbed by the summoner, and Vanessa made the kineticist, and I loved her take of the kineticist. Uh, so the medium was the only one left to work on. I took that as a challenge because I played it in first edition, and I loved the concept, and I hated the experience of playing it. Uh, it had a lot of issues related to balance and user experience, so I took that as a challenge to learn and to grow as a designer. And after defining what I wanted the project to be, I figured it was time to decide how I wanted to approach it. So I know that a lot of designers like to follow a bottom-up approach. They set a few general concepts or premises and then brainstorm all kinds of elements that could fit into those premises. And they, one thing that I had to learn is to kill your darlings. You have to learn to let go the things that are not working for what you want. Uh, so for me, the, the kind of process that these other designers follow is very good when you want to go crazy and experiment with new ideas and also when you collaborate with others. But personally, for the medium, I prefer a top-down approach where I could plan things beforehand. Design-wise, this class is very complex and very grandiose in its topics, and I had to make sure that all the core elements and high concepts were super clear before playing with all the crazy possibilities and falling in love with a specific mechanic. Uh, things like, for example, the Spirit Trance had like six different iterations before landing onto this one. And the Spirit Trance, for those who don't know, is 
is sort of the equivalent of the barbarian rage, but more spiritual. After deciding what kind of approach I wanted to follow, I started asking the big questions, like what is a spirit? What are all the shapes and forms that a spirit could take? What kind of journey does the spirit follow from beginning to end? Uh, what are the place and the role of the medium in this journey? And after all that research and theory crafting, uh, after reading Secrets of Magic for like 10 times and the first edition books, Occult Adventures, Occult Origins, Psychic Anthology, etc. After covering all that, the class took life on its own. It had an identity, a set of goals, and many promises that inspired all the mechanics that would come after the first paragraph. So at that point, it was not so much about what I wanted for the class. There was a point when it was about what the class needed to be. So and after that, it just flowed. That's why I'm very, very like, careful and very like, detailed in, in every aspect of the process that I follow for design. I'm very self-critical too. <laughs> I was going to say, most designers are their own worst enemy. You're always your most harsh critic. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. I would like to touch on a couple other things that are going on in this book. It's not just the medium by itself and you get like 10 pages of medium and you're done, right? It's nearly 30 pages. We've got the medium. We've also got a dedication, which is something that some of these classes sometimes leave out, um, is you have a dedication. The dedication is definitely uh, distinct from the medium itself. Uh, I, I really like the way that in the dedication, it's not just medium light. There is a distinct feel to this that really shows that this character did not go directly down this path of being a medium. They just kind of picked up the things that they needed to get by. And I dig it. Uh, there are items in here that are kind of medium themed, but they'll work out for uh, other classes as well. I really like the ritual candles. Anything to make more rituals happen makes me happy. I love rituals. I think they're great. Um, and then a bunch of skill feats, which... Everybody neglects the dang skill feats, and there are half a dozen or so skill feats in here related to occultism. Uh, and I'm a really big fan of occult classes. Everybody that has ever heard my voice in relation to Pathfinder 2nd Edition realizes that I have a problem with the Thaumaturge in that I cannot stop building them. And I'm about <laughs> to get that way with the Psychic, too. I'm, I've fallen in love recently. So anything that gives me more occult feats, I'm down for. So Dark Archives, you're telling us. Your favorite yeah, pretty book. much, yeah. Yes, I, I love Occult Feats too. These are a conversion of the OG of Occult Skill and Locks from 1st edition, now into 2nd edition. And I took the opportunity to make something new with them. This is a concept that I created called the Hybrid Skill Fit, which now I use in other products as well, uh, especially with Eldritch Osiris games. But in this time, I decided that I would let anyone who delves into the occult get the opportunity to uh, draw power from other skills as well. So you can have a skill feat that requires you to be trained in occultism and also an expert in survival, for example. And it lets you like detect water and minerals and tomes that are in a certain distance. So yeah, I, I thought that the, the concept of occult skill and love scan could be easily transported into this edition in a very like new and interesting way. I wanted to push the boundaries of what skill fits could be because we are starting for skill fits. The game needs more of them. Yeah, it's something I really liked. Once again, Dark Archive brought in a lot of really cool skill feats like the crystal healing stuff. And 
I absolutely love those. Oh, this is a little off the wall, and it's not necessarily the best option, but it's flavorful as hell. I love the crystal healing. It's so freaking cool. And the, um, what is it, the one that you can use light to augment your healing as well? That's also from Dark Archive. I can't remember exactly what that uh, one is. Color, color something. Um, something, yeah, yeah. Chromio, chromiotherapy, chromi- or something like that. Yeah, that's, a, that's rad. I love stuff like that. I love skill yes. feats. That's the thing that I always struggle with when building a character is building skill feats. Not because there's so many, but because there's so many worthless ones. And things that just don't make me happy to use. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one is Read Psychometric. Uh, what was the name? Read Psychometric Resonance. Read Psychometric Resonance, yes. Because I love reading the story of things. This is a very medium skill feat to have. I take it on all of my thaumaturges, even though I will probably never use it. It's so cool. It's just so much fun. And that's saying something. That's like 70 plus characters. (laughs) It is. My path builder is full to bursting. (laughs) What what I always liked about the cool classes and the cool topics in in Pathfinder was that they they had a lot of flavor and roleplay potential built in the mechanics. Uh, Psychometry led you explore the feelings and the identity of people that interacted with places and with objects. And also the the choice of the subclass of the spiritualist from first edition already gave you a lot of uh, roleplay potential because it was tied to it was tied to a specific emotion. So those kind of things I wanted to uh, rescue with this class. And that that's the kind of things that I enjoy playing a lot. So as you kind of got into this, what what do you think are maybe some of the things you wish you would have known when before you, you know, really got into it? You know, things you learned along the way that you're like, oh, man, I really wish I would have known that before I started all of this. Uh, to calculate damage per level. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you see, I have published yeah, some things. I make sure that everything that I publish is better than what I published before. So I look back and say, oh, okay, maybe maybe this could be different. Uh, but I don't regret any decision, actually, because everything that I did led me to where I am right now. So I am proud even of my mistakes, and I acknowledge them. And if somebody on Discord says, hey, this fit is broken, and they say, Yes, yes, it is. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think the, um, you know, as you, you create your own stuff for a while and there are things you look back on and you're like, oh my God, I just, I, I don't know about that one yet. You know, I have many things like that and still show them to people. They're like, that's really cool. You just like, okay, you got to stop being so hard on yourself because everyone you show it to just, oh, that's really neat. And I really like that. You're like, why was I so worried about this? Oh yes, totally. Yeah, that happens. A lot of people don't don't pay that much attention to the uh, to the exact balance of things unless it's completely broken or bonkers, crazy. But most of us just want to play the game to have fun and to tell cool sto- to to tell cool stories, to be crazy with our concepts. So for a designer, is sometimes you just have to take a break and give yourself some slack. So if there was one bit of advice that you could give to somebody that's thinking about being a content creator or a writer, but they're on the edge about it, they're worried about something, what would you tell them? Okay, so I've been meditating on 
saying something like this for a while, because real talk, I'm from Peru. I was born and raised here. And for a person like me, the dream of entering the gaming industry seems so distant and unattainable that for a long time, I didn't even think of trying. There are a lot of cultural gaps, language barriers, paperwork, and who would even make the effort to hire a person so far away when they could get someone just as good, much closer from home. Or at least that's what I grew up thinking. And luckily for me, the Pathfinder community made sure to prove me wrong. It was thanks to people like Jason Nelson from Legendary Games, James Beck from Eldritch Osiris Games, Nathan Centeni from Northern Ones. It's thanks to people like them that I am where I am now. Where I am now. So you, the writer out there listening, just take a leap, send emails like I did, listen to others, especially the people who are more experienced, and work as hard as you can to polish your craft. Because if I could make it, I'm sure you can. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us, Luigi. I know this has been a long time coming. We've had to reschedule probably three times due to various things, but I'm so glad that we could get you on. Is there anywhere that if somebody wants to find out more about you or more about things you've written or done, is there anything that anywhere we could direct them? Twitter or uh, or a, a store page or we'll put it in the description so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. All right, for sure. And thank you for having me, by the way. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, people can find me on Twitter as at Luigi Lisa. I know Luigi is a complicated name to, to write on Lisa too. So I hope people read the description. Uh, also, they can find part of my work and also the work that I publish as a team with Eldritch Osiris Games on Twitter as at Eldritch Osiris. Excellent. We will have links to this work, The Legendary Medium, which I think we have, that's once again, we are just officially saying the name of the content and this is the end of the episode, which we have a bad habit of doing, but it's in the description. It's in the name. So if you're not reading the name, it's your fault. <laughs> we'll have a link in the description. Um, full disclosure, once again, it'll be an affiliate link because that's what keeps the fires running around here. Again, thank you so much for coming. Uh, we've been so glad to have you. We really enjoyed talking to you about this class and the lead up from it because we are those weird people that are very concerned about balance and mechanics and getting in the mind of the people that are designing. So we are so sorry for probably terrifying you a little bit with all of our questions <laughs> last week. I was scared. I, I thought that you didn't like it. <laughs> if we didn't like it, we would have been like, don't come. Yeah. No, unfortunately, <laughs> okay. like for me, my, my day job is insanely busy. So just have no time. So I like would pop in and out, ask very direct questions and then be gone until an hour later and do it again. So I do apologize for that. <laughs> okay, don't don't worry. It's so it's so fine. And actually I, I like exploring and getting deep into my process because it I look back and learn from it for future releases. Wonderful. So thank you. And thank you for having me again. I really enjoyed this. Excellent. Well, for the Creator's Corner, I'm Trevor. And I'm Christian. And as always, you guys have a great week. Bye, y'all. <laughs>